That's a little better. Okay, good, good, good. All right. Well, I want to make sure that you hear me this morning, so I'm glad it's working, because we're going to talk about a word that you don't like. We're going to talk about a word that it's not polite to bring up in polite conversation this morning. It's a... It's almost exclusively a church word, which makes it strange that we don't like to talk about it in church. But it does make people cringe, and it makes your forehead wrinkle up, and your eyes get down to some slits and and all that. Okay, here's here's the word. Sin. It's not a fun word. Not a fun word. We don't use that word in everyday life. If we use it, it's generally around church. It has something to do with, you know, theological application. I mean, it, you don't find this word being used in school. You know, the kids bring home the report card. Oh, looks like it. Great. You got A's and everything, but a D in sin. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Okay. Um, you, when you get pulled over by the police officer, he's not writing out a sin citation, right? We just don't use the word. The boss doesn't call you into his office for a meeting about last week's sin. That's just not a word that we use very much. It's a church word, but we don't use it in church very much either. There's a, it's a heavy word, isn't it? I mean, it seems somewhat old-fashioned, even judgmental at times. It, it's, a, it's a preachy word, and trust me, even preachers don't want to seem preachy like that. But it's a word, it, it doesn't have much wiggle room in it. Um, we, we like another word. And over the past years, another word has, has crept into our vocabulary, that we tend to use in place of this word, but I want to let you know this is it's a poor substitute for this word. But we use it. And that word is mistake. I mean, ha- have you ever used that word? Oh, I'm I'm sorry. That was a mistake. Um really? That's what the speed limit is? My mistake. Uh, that that cash was really missing from the drawer. I I must have made a mistake, right? Uh, please don't get so fired up about this. It was all just a mistake. It's it's a it's a nicer word. I mean, it's clean. It's it's small. Uh, the the main idea that goes with a mistake is. It happened because of a lack of information. I didn't know that was the speed limit. I didn't know that it would go that far. Oh my goodness, is that really what happens when? If I'd known, I wouldn't have done it. It was just a mistake. But here's the thing. Sometimes, and I bet you've seen this, People make mistakes on purpose. I mean, you, you know exactly what's at stake, right? You, you know what's going to happen. Uh, you, you do it anyway. 
Some, some of you may have a stash of mistakes at home. There, there are people who buy airline tickets in order to make their mistakes. There are people who will go to that place knowing that they'll make a mistake. And they go there anyway. I mean, you've seen that, right? Some people, they keep on doing it. Even though they, they want it to be a mistake. And then every month when the credit card bill comes in or... Every time that they go and hang out with that group of people or every time that, you know, I mean, they've gotten how many tickets now or but they keep on doing it. I mean, I don't know that it's you, but you know, people who keep doing it. And we've all seen the folks on TV, haven't we? I mean, they get they get caught and it's been going on for years and now they're surrounded by microphones and they get up there and they explain it by saying, it was a mistake. But does that word really sum up how big a problem it was? Because they knew. You know. You look at it and you're like, that wasn't a mistake. I don't know what it was, but it was bigger than a mistake. I mean, it's been going on for years. They even influenced other people to call it a mistake. And they knew better too. I mean, haven't you seen that? The affair. It's been going on for years. Oh, just a mistake. Is it? Really? The, the campaign funds that continually went missing. Is that really just a mistake? The way you treat them in your house when nobody else is looking, and that's the way it's been going for a long time. Is that really a mistake? What do you really call a pre-planned mistake? (laughs) Better yet, what do you call a person who pre-plans their mistakes? I don't know that we have a word for it. But we like... Mistakes. What do you do to correct a mistake? I just gave you the answer. What do you do to fix a mistake? It starts with C. You correct a mistake, right? It, it, when you, it's, it's what you do on your math quiz. Oh, 4 plus 5 really doesn't equal 22. Erase it. Correct it, Right? Mistakes you can correct. The problem is, a lot of the things that we want to call mistakes that we know really are bigger than mistakes, the problem is you can't correct them. I mean, you try. Your mama tried. Your spouse has been trying to correct your mistake. You're you're trying to correct the mistake that your kid keeps making. But for some reason, it's uncorrectable. Because the problem isn't really the mistake. What's the problem? 
problem is the person. The problem is you and me. And I don't know about you, but it's hard to correct me when I'm the problem. But we try, don't we? Sometimes we pay somebody $120 an hour to sit down with me to try and correct my mistake. But when, when you're the problem, it's hard to correct. Even when we try. Why is it that I can't do what I know I should do? Why can't you quit doing what you know you should quit doing? Some of us have lost things because of our mistakes. You've lost a job, you've lost a friend. You've lost a marriage. You've lost a retirement. You've lost hope because of your mistake. It's really bigger than that, isn't it? The weird part is, there. You, when you set your mind to it, you make some progress. I mean, you can quit doing it for a while, and it's been three days, and I haven't touched that. I haven't gone there. I didn't use that word. It's been six days. It's been nine days. It's been a couple of weeks. I've been, I haven't done that in a month. And here's the weird thing. Have you ever been, been there? Because you get to that point, you're like, boy, I haven't, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't done that in a month. I've been doing that every day for, for five weeks. You know what? I owe myself one. <laughs> you ever done that? Mm, no, no. Different crowd. Well, you probably know somebody that has. And so you go and you do what you know you shouldn't do just because it's been a while since you've done it. Is that really a mistake? I don't think so. But we have this urge to uncorrect what we've been trying to correct. On the other hand, sin hits closer to the mark of what we're talking about. Because maybe a baby step is really to admit that it's not a mistake. That the problem doesn't lie in a lack of information. The problem lies somewhere in here. In you and me. Maybe it's, uh, this isn't a theological definition. This isn't. But, but maybe it's a step. To call a sinner. Someone who knows better. But does it anyway. Because I think we can identify with that. I think we've all been in that boat sometimes. You've known better. But you do it anyway. The question is, why is it so hard to admit that? 
to admit that you and I have a bigger problem than making mistakes. That maybe it's a sin problem. And maybe you and I are sinners. And I think it's because it seems so heavy and it seems so final and it's so judgmental. And it, it, yeah, it's old-fashioned, but it doesn't seem like there's any excuse if it's true that I'm a sinner. Jesus talked about sin. And when Jesus talked about sin... He tended to talk about it in terms of relationships. That sin breaks relationships. Sin is what breaks relationships between us and God. Sin breaks relationships between you and me and each other. Sin breaks relationships. We've all experienced that. And when we look at the broken relationships in our lives, more often than not, they don't trace back to mistakes. They trace back to something bigger. And when Jesus talked about sin and sinners, he didn't do it in a way to make us feel better about it. Oh, you know, everybody sins. Don't worry about it because, you know, it's just sin. He didn't do that. He upped the ante on what it was. He said things like, and this comes out of Matthew 5, You've heard it said, you know, to people long ago, Do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. You've heard that, right? But I tell you, Jesus says, anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Whoa. All of a sudden, Jesus, you know, we, we, were, we were comfortable knowing that they are sinners because they crossed that line and murdered somebody. And now you're saying we're guilty too? He ups the ante. Here's another way he upped the ante. Just couple of lines later. You've heard it. It was said long ago, don't commit adultery. We agree. Yeah, it's a, you know, one commit adultery. I mean, the people that do that are sinners. And he said, but I tell you, anybody who looks at someone else with lust in their heart has already committed adultery. And he ups the ante. And I don't know about you, but but that makes people feel bad. Even doomed. Like, there just isn't any hope. I mean, if that's the standard, there just isn't any hope. I mean, Jesus, I thought I was doing okay because of what I hadn't done. And now you're like, just because of what I think, you're doomed. And Jesus would say, yeah, but you know what the good news is? God loves doomed people. In fact, I didn't come 
for anybody but the people who were doomed. The people that are doing okay didn't come for them. They don't need me. If you're doomed, I'm there. This is how he said it. Mark 2.17, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous. They don't need what I have to offer. I've come to call... What? I've come to call sinners. I've come to call the people who are doomed, the people who know the problem is them, the people who aren't trying to pass it off as a mistake. Because God loves those people. And people won't experience God's love like they need to until they realize they're doomed. They can't get away from them because they are the problem, because they are sinners. Jesus didn't die on a cross for mistakes. He died on a cross for sinners. Today's passage, John, Jesus' best friend, was, was writing. And he, he's the one that talked about this. He said, the message we've heard from Jesus and now declare to you is God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So, if there's, and you know what, every religion on the face of the earth that believes in a God says that in some way in their documents that God is light. Isn't that interesting? And if there's no darkness in God, but we have darkness in us, how can we, how can we get to know Him? How, how can we interact with that? So, verse 6, we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in darkness. We're not practicing the truth. Because we're sinners. Those who haven't confronted that fact are living in darkness. They really don't have a relationship with God. But, if we're living in the light, unless God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. We can get to know God if we're living in the light. And how do we get there? The blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all mistakes. No. Cleanses us from all sin. Somehow, folks... The blood of Jesus takes care of a sin problem, which is in you and is in me. And the problem is not our lack of judgment. The problem is being broken inside. And when we come to Jesus, His blood can cover it and give us a brand new life. 
where we can have relationship with Him. Where we can start dealing with the real problem. John makes his point again, in case we miss it. If we claim to have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. And not only fooling ourselves, we're not living in the truth. But, this is what you do with sin. If you confess it, if you come before God and say, you know what? The problem isn't that I didn't know for four years of doing it every other day and hiding it so that other people wouldn't find out about it and keeping it in a stash that's hidden so that nobody else finds it. No. The truth is, I knew. And the truth is, I still want to do it. And the truth is, I'm a sinner. I am broken. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful. He won't let you down. And He is just. This actually works. To forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all the brokenness. Now, it might take a while. It might take our whole lives to be cleansed. It might take longer than that. But by confessing that the problem isn't that I make mistakes, by confessing that the problem is me, and I like it, if you really want to know the truth, and you like it, otherwise you wouldn't be doing it and hiding it from everybody else so that you wouldn't have to quit doing it. Come on. The problem, oh God, isn't that I didn't know. The problem is me. And I need your help. Sin breaks relationships. We are all infected with the disease. Forgiveness is the antidote. And the only way to get it is with a transfusion. His blood. For ours. And John goes on. He says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you because my hope for you, the best for you, is that you won't sin. Isn't that a weird thought? I mean, we, even in the church, we get so used to the idea that we're sinners, and thank goodness for God's grace, because we're just going to keep on doing it, and we need His grace. I mean, there's truth in that, isn't there? But but John says, I'm writing this because I don't want you to do that. I mean, there, there may be times we may have those struggles. We may not want to give it up, and God still does love us. But the hope is that we won't keep on doing what we know better than to do. The hope is that we won't keep living in denial and saying all we are is mistakers. But 
John says, I know the truth. If anyone does sin, it's going to happen. Guess what? If you haven't sinned in the past five minutes, get ready. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus, the Messiah, the one who is truly righteous. If you're a sinner, we need somebody to step in on our behalf because you can't fix you and I can't fix me. If we could, wouldn't we have done it already? We're the most educated people that have ever lived in history. Wouldn't we have fixed ourselves if we could? But he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. He is the one who is able to pay the debt of the world. He is the one who is bigger than all the brokenness that I can put on the table. Not just for me, but for you. And you. And you. And you. And you. And you. And all of us. And all the people up and down the street. And all the people in Jacksonville and Florida and the United States and North America. And around the world. That's how big he is. This is his specialty. He came to save sinners. So, we need to quit lying to ourselves that we just keep making mistakes over and over. Because the problem is bigger than that. The problem is me and you. We're the problem. But there's a solution. Solution is to walk in the light. Admit it. Bring it out. You don't have to come up here and tell everybody, but you do have to talk to God about it. Admit it to yourself and to God because you know what? You're a sinner. And I'm a sinner. And then confess it. Because Jesus came to shed his blood, not for mistakers, but for sinners. So he could restore our relationship with God and give us a brand new life that's not built upon a foundation of brokenness anymore. Instead of going into the prayers of the people and then the confession. We're going to reverse it. And we're about to go into the confession first so that we can admit that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And I don't know what your sin is. Maybe you're one like John. It's like John said, I'm writing this so you won't sin. Maybe you're like, I got that message. I've been doing good. I don't know. Me, I think I got some things. You might too. I don't know what yours is, but you're about to have a minute or two to kneel before the Lord in your heart, at your seat, at the altar rail, wherever you want to be. And do business and confess. 
to Him. You know what? That's me. I've been telling myself it's a mistake. It's not. I don't keep on hiding mistakes and planning mistakes. i got a bigger problem. And then we'll confess together. Then we'll hear the assurance of God's forgiveness because He gives forgiveness to all who truly confess. And then we'll move on. So, in your hearts, at your seats, at the altar rail, wherever, let's kneel before God and remember our sins before Him.